podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, welcome back to Heart and Hand. This is Heart and Hand Extra, your second free show of the week. Uh, apologies, we are a little bit late. Uh, joining me for tonight's show, we have Ross. Ross, how are you? Wonderful, thank you, mate. We'll try and make up for that tardiness on our end. Yes, we won't mention a certain um, member of the podcast who uh, is slightly late. <laughs> you might turn up and surprise us all. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, anyway, um, quiet week again, Ross. These nomad weeks, I think, are, are, are good sometimes, but also it doesn't have to make the week drag in a little bit. We have Livingston on Saturday. Press conferences were today. Um, press conference was in Edmondson House today. Um, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to go along yet, but um, it was um, in the fan zone, but they've been able to partition it off so it looked like a little bit of a um, smaller area rather than that huge big fan zone with just a table with Michael Beale sitting there. Um, <laughs> but it was uh, it was good to be in there again, obviously, um, and see how things are going. It's good that they're using it for that. Um, they've obviously got the, the gala uh, to announce it formally on, on Sunday night. Uh, for the Hall of Fame, so it'll be interesting to see it again being used as a kind of multi-purpose thing. Um, but uh, in terms of the press conference, we had Michael Beale, obviously, and we had Janice Hadji. Um, Michael Beale has had a lot to say the last couple of, of days. He's done the RTV interview um, in conversation with Emma Dodds and, and Kevin Thompson, and he sort of expanded on some of the things that he um, was talking about in that in the press conference today. Um, one of the things I wanted to get your opinion on that he's mentioned is... Um, the squad or, or or how much work needs done on the squad. Um I think this varies depending on who you speak to and depending what game we've we've just played. Um but I think in terms of what Michael Beale is talking about, um he has said he would like ten outfield players uh, and then another ten if you like. So two right backs, two left backs, blah blah blah. Um he would want three goalkeepers and he'd want three number nines, interestingly. Um I'm not sure what the thinking is on there, if that's just because we've had injuries or he really values that. But that was an interesting insight into it. So in effect, he wants 22 players, one for each position, another keeper uh, and another number nine, bringing him up to, to 24. Um, and then he would supplement that with youth. Um, unknown whether he means youth in the sense of Lowry, King, Divine, or if it's the next level down from that. So it was interesting to get that sort of situation from him in terms of where he wants the team to be at. Um, what he did say was in the summer coming, obviously there are possibly eight players that would go, worst case or best case, depending on how you look at it. Um, therefore, there are quite a few positions laid up for grabs. Is that something that you would be on board with, having a squad of, of that size and then supplementing with, with the youth? The youth, sorry, or, or do you feel that um, you maybe need a slightly bigger squad given the injuries that we've seen this year? You can certainly make a case for both. Um, this isn't really a new idea of having that almost two 11s. Adam, I think we heard Gerard talk about it before when he was there. So this is possibly something that Michael Beale has picked up on in his time as a coach at Rangers. And listen, we have seen this year because of the injuries that we have had that we do need that level of depth. Now, when you're talking about having a squad of, of that size, and that's considerably smaller than the squad that we would have right now. So there's a fair bit of trimming to do, I think, in that kind of scenario you're not going to have the same um, level of quality in terms of the second 11, if that's so to speak, to the first 11. That's natural. That's nothing exclusive to us. 
But the idea of having two players for every position is one I think we do absolutely need to explore. But I think you're right. The idea of three number nines is the one that kind of perked my ears up when I heard that as well. And I think, again, it's something that we have been burned with in the past, so to speak. We have seen before um, that European run. Last year, actually, was a bit of a prime example when Morelos got injured and we were a couple of injury, injuries away from not having a fully fit and firing number nine. So we've been in that dangerous position before and we've seen how it can adversely affect us, so to speak. So I understand that from that point of view, three goalkeepers as well is fairly standard. But to have that level of depth across the board, what you need is solid recruitment in the summer and the manager obviously needs to play a role in that as well. So it's positive, I think, from my point of view, that he has that idea already in his head of what he would like his squad to look like going off into season 2023-2024. And if we can trim the squad down a wee bit and trim that wage budget down a wee bit and obviously have the kind of added bonus of using those wages and money that we've saved to bring in quality, then that's something I'd be very, very keen for us to explore. Just looking at a very quick run-through of the the first team, um, not including King, Lowry, Devine, as I mentioned there, we've got 29 players, um, first team players under contract, so if you include them as well, that's up to 32, so in essence what he's saying is he wants to, shut, to cut that down by eight um, at a minimum, however realistically we're thinking that needs to go into double figures so that we can supplement the quality that that we want to bring in um so it's interesting that i don't think that's all going to happen in the summer i think he said no. before ideally he'll want three transfer windows to do what he needs to do um so that's going to be quite interesting to see how that goes obviously you would like to get the main positions done in the summer like he said again in the rtv interview last night he spoke about the spine of the team and he spoke about that's what he needs to to prioritise. So he's talked about the keeper. He's talked about the um, the number nine. Um, I I will assume Ross that I think we need a cent- another central midfielder anyway. But I would assume, given that um, Lundstrom is a year to go, Ryan Jack has um, four months to go. Glenn Kamara, we seem to flip flop about whether he's playing well or whether he's not. Possibly he might want to go in the summer. So I think those three positions are probably the highest priority just now. Um, and I would imagine that's where the focus will be on this window. Um, if we can bring in some more players who can supplement that, fair enough. Um, but I think that will be the main thing. And hopefully next January or if it's the next summer, we'll just be sort of cherry on the cake and replacing players that are that are leaving. Yeah, and I think we as fans recognise that as well because it is a bit of a rebuilding job that we do have on our hands. And that's possibly our own fault as a club for allowing ourselves to get into that position. But when we are talking, oh, lovely to have you with us, Cammy. When, you, when, you're, uh, when you're talking about that level of, of player overhaul, it doesn't all need to be done in the one year. It can't really all be done in the one year. So you pick out those areas of priority, like you mentioned. Goalkeeper is the, the word on everyone's lips if you're a Rangers fan right now. That is the absolute number yeah. one golden priority going into next season. Well, we need to say one goalkeeper, two, possibly three. That that Again, that's a conversation that we're going to need to have. The number nines as well is, a, is an interesting conversation with regards to Morelos' uh, contract situation. There's a lot of discussion right now about how Antonio Cholak fits into this kind of Michael Beal mould and this Michael Beal style of play and then plus one as well that we'll be looking to recruit in the summer. So there is a fair level of overhaul there, but on the flip side, it does balance itself out. If you think that if you Al McGregor does retire in the summer, so to speak. You're losing Alfredo Morelos. Yeah. Stephen Davis is 
touch and go whether he'll be coming back. Ryan Jack, like you mentioned. So there are players there who will reach the, the natural end, if you like, to the life cycle at Rangers. And then you add in the player trading as well, just to be able to finance this um, on, on like a purely front-based level. Get players like Lincoln Mara, like you mentioned, who might be up for a sale in the summer, even though Michael Beale is quite fond of him. He's maybe yeah. one of those players who we'd look to to move on. So, again, there's all that kind of overhaul that you need to go, but that cannot be done in the one summer. And I wouldn't really want it to be done in the one summer either. I'm much more inclined to say I'd rather do bits of it at a time, kind of build that jigsaw puzzle up to its fullest picture and get it right rather than do it rushed. Absolutely. Cameron, hello. How are you? I'm good. My apologies for my tardiness. Some technical issues at my end, but um, I'm assuming that's Ross just finished his first answer. It is, yes. That's what I thought. Yes, <laughs> lovely to be here and speak to you both. Thank it's you. Lovely to have you on. We were just talking about um, the Michael Beale RTV interview last night and the press conference today where he expanded on some things. And what he'd said was um, he basically wants 11 players, obviously, and then another 11 behind that, um, over 22, and then maybe an additional keeper and a, a number nine. So taking that up to, to sort of 24. Um, and what we were discussing was there's actually 29 first-team players at the minute that we would class yeah. within the squad. That doesn't include anyone on loan. Therefore, the amount of players that are going to have to leave to then be supplemented with the quality that we need uh, is pretty huge, and we don't think that's that's realistic in, in one window. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on that three number nines thing, because at the moment we've got three number nines, and, and Cholak, Morelos and Roof, you could uh, argue, or he has played Fashion Zakala as a number nine at points, not, not necessarily regularly, but at, at points um, there. However, the jury is out on all of them, I guess. Um, for me, the jury's not out on Cholak. I think Cholak has has done fine. I think he absolutely deserves to stay. But the jury is certainly out on Morelos as to whether he actually stays in the summer. And then obviously Kamar Roof with the injury problems that he's had. So where do you stand on that? Do you think three or four strikers is needed because of the injuries, because of the importance of the position? Or would you like to go a little bit leaner on that and, and just have sort of two that are competing for, for that one slot? I think you go a little bit leaner. I, I'm anyone who who listens to myself and any of the the pods either here or, or on a Patreon site will know I'm not I'm not in the camp of re-signing Alfredo Morelos. I, I I think that we've had our value out of him, and you know we're we're pretty much there. So um, I think there's a couple of points to that. First of all, it's a it's a lot of players for one position. Um, and I think that being realistic, even with the larger numbers we're talking about across the whole squad, that's a hell of a transition. And I think that Michael Beale, I think Michael Beale has to be careful that he doesn't get a whole load of the players that he's looking for and then not be able to deliver. And by that, ultimately, we're talking about the league. But focusing on the number nines, I, I don't know if it's maybe me, I'm just a bit more old fashioned on it, but I'm always a big believer in that if you've got a striker scoring goals, you play him. Um, yeah. uh, and it's great having the options. Obviously, if you if your you know your striker dries up and you've got someone else, and then probably the more modern thinking is that you would use different types of player depending on the opposition. You know, so uh, and I get that depending on what's in front of you. And by and large, we'll have uh, roughly the same kind of game for the vast majority of our domestic competitions, right? But for me, I think that we we absolutely keep Antonio Cholak. Like, I think there's, there's zero doubt for that. I think he's been one of our best, if not our best signings across the across the two windows thus far this year, uh, this summer, uh, this season. Um, how much you'll get now, Kamara, on a continual basis? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. If we remove Alfred Umbrella from that mix, I'd be happy with three number nines. Um, 
but he's going to have to try and give each of them some level of, of consistent game time. I don't see a need to be able to, to run strikers into the ground like we've had to do before. Um, and I would be, if I was Michael Beale telling the rest of the team, the rest of you have to chip in with goals. Because there's been times where we've been too reliant on some of the names that I've just mentioned, and we haven't seen goals from elsewhere. So it, it's it's three, I think, sounds fine to me. I wouldn't go any more than that. And one of them has to be a replacement for Morelos, potentially Roof as well. Cholak stays where he is. Yeah, no, I would agree. <clears throat> agree with all that. Um, he did mention Ross, and it's probably slightly uh, slightly odds of what he said earlier on, which I'm, I'm sure won't surprise anyone else. But Michael Beale did say um, he's obviously got these hybrid players that he wants to bring in now, and he referenced Todd Cantwell, uh, Nico Raskin, uh, Malik Tillman, who are coming in and can play two or three positions in the team. So I guess it's conceivable that he means... I want players. I want two players that can play as the number ten. I want two that can play as the number six. But it may end up being the, the same two players, for example, or, or rotating in that way. So um, that was quite interesting. But I guess looking forward, he was talking about his billboard. I think you maybe you might have seen the um, seen the um, communications about that. If I had these players on a billboard that are going to be here for the next three or four years, who would it be? Um, it was just an analogy. Um, it, it didn't necessarily mean these four players are the ones that I'm going to build my team around. But I think the four he mentioned were. Cantwell, Raskin, um, Cantwell, Raskin, was it Tillman? Cantwell, Raskin, Ryan Kent, and, and Tom Lawrence, surprisingly, were the four that he mentioned. Now, it definitely wasn't these four players that are going to be the four players. It was much more of an analogy, but it's really interesting that he picked out Tom Lawrence there because that's not someone that he's seen, we've barely seen, certainly in the last six months or so. So that was quite an interesting one. If that was a sort of pointed thing to say he's going to be a big player for us moving forward, I think we would all hope that if we can get him fit. Um, however, the news from the press conference was not great that he's had that setback, as we know, and there is no date for him to come in. But that's interesting because, again, he fits that sort of hybrid thing where he could play off the left, he could play behind the striker, he could probably play as number eight. So that flexibility that those guys are bringing in is quite clear. That's what he wants to bring in moving forwards. We managed to get some of it in the summer. Both players in the, the winter window look like they've given that, and then hopefully we can get some more in the summer. Yeah, Tom Lawrence is the kind of player in particular who fits the dynamism of a Michael Beale side and what Michael Beale would want his side to look like. And I actually remember having a conversation around about the time that we appointed Beale saying, I think Lawrence, if and when he does return to full fitness, could be one of the big beneficiaries of playing in a kind of Michael Beale side. He'll get a lot more freedom, you would like to think, in, a, in an attacking sense than what he possibly had under Giovanni Van Brockhorst. So I think that's a, a really interesting and insightful comment actually from Michael Beale that even though he's not played a minute on the park for him and it doesn't look like that's going to happen, in the immediate future Michael yeah. Beale still sees that future he still sees that kind of big vision for him and again as well that's maybe something we need to sort of take into account as fans those sort of hybrid players like you mentioned because it's very easy to take that as we've just discussed in a literal sense in terms of having two individuals for each position rather than a player who can fill in two different roles as well and I think for a club like us, for what we want to do and the finances that we are working with, which we all know we're not working with all the riches under the sun, that is a much smarter way of recruiting and a much smarter way of working as well. And it puts you in a position where if you do experience an injury to one player, you're not automatically losing out a place almost. You can maybe drop them in, replace them with somewhere else. It gives the team a much larger level of fluidity as well. So again, if that's something we can do and it's something that Michael Beale seems really keen to do, it's be something I'd be really interested for us to, to sort of look at going forward because I think it's a like I say, a much more efficient and smarter way of recruitment for modern football essentially. Hundred <clears throat> percent. Um one of the players that he didn't mention on this billboard and again 
didn't necessarily mean that they weren't part of the team, they weren't part of what we thought going forward, they weren't a poster boy or anything, but he didn't mention Tillman uh, Cammy, and as the trying Scotsman says, probably because he isn't really our player yet, we don't really know what's going to happen there. Um, I do think it's fair to say, and Tillman has said himself this week, actually, in an interview with, with Kicker, that he is preferring is maybe the wrong word, but he feels he's more suited to the style of play now. It was a little bit too defensive under the, the previous manager. I think that might be the first time we've had someone come out and, and say something of that nature so far, but a little bit more defensive and he's really enjoying the role. That's quite interesting because when Michael Beale came in, Cammy, he said Malik Tillman is going to play as a number eight and that wasn't where we'd seen him. Um, it feels like somebody who would have been more further forward than that, maybe as a, a number 10 or even as a striker when he played for, for Bayern. So, it's quite interesting that he's had such a big am- impact on Malik Tillman already. Um, and I don't know about you, but I think certainly over the last month or so anyway, he's been um, he's been probably an outstanding player. And hopefully we can uh, long may that continue for us. Yeah, I think I'd said to, said to you chaps um, during the Thistle game, I was like, we have to sign Malik yeah. Tillman. It has to happen. I mean, it's just it's a, it's a given. Um, it, I don't. I think what's interesting, Adam, is that um, it might be one of the most media savvy things that Michael Beale has said is not including them because the opposite reaction to him saying is, "Yeah, he is a well-built player, and I do see things with him." Is well, we're signing him then, and maybe there's a, there's an element of keeping his cards close to his chest, which and I, I'll give Michael Beale his due. He maybe hasn't done all together when we've been talking about signings and all the rest of it and stuff, but. Levity to one side, there is definitely a, a growth aspect within what he wanted to see Malik Tillman deliver. And there's probably, I think there's probably been elements where he's operated in pockets of space that he wasn't given the license to do so. Maybe under Van Bronckhurst, he felt a little bit contained within where he was and what he was supposed to be doing, which then in turn inhibited him slightly. Is that fair to say? But I, I, I think the other thing is that he, um, he, he, he can probably see, I mean, you can see across the team, I think, especially probably the front, I would say probably the front six, where you've seen an impact that Michael Beale has had. And because of that, I think that Tillman understands what he's trying to get him to, to, to do. And I also think he much prefers what um, Beale is trying to get from him because he just enjoys that style of football. I think it, it gives him more license. I think he's allowed to go further forward, which is like what I think he wants to do. And I think he's just given the freedom to be able to go and express himself. And you can see that there's an element of that within the creative flair of his style of play. He doesn't want to go constantly for 90 minutes hunting after the ball and then being able to try and play it forward 10 or 15 yards and that more or less stops his, his involvement in an offensive approach going forward. So I, I totally get it, understand it. Um, I think it sets up nicely, actually, that if Tillman was to sign... The, the expectation is we've we've seen a lot from you and I want more and this is what this is how we are going to do it together and I think that's I think that's I'm all for that I'm a hundred percent all for that yeah absolutely um on the flip side of that then Ross he hasn't mentioned Tillman because he's not sure if he's going to if he's going to be here but he did mention Ryan Kent um I know fans will, will read into that one um as things stand Tillman is possibly more of a chance of being here than Kent just because we have that loan uh, exclusive option however um, again in the RTV interview and again on on the press conference, Michael Beale is effusive with praise. He loves the bones of him. He loves. He thinks he's brilliant. He's something I agree with as well. People go on about the goals and assists. Very rarely does people go on about how great he is off the ball, what he gives his teammates, all that sort of stuff. Um, he's at pains to talk about it. He gets asked every week about Kenny Morelos. It must be draining, and every single week he talks about both of them um, in such great terms. Um, 
the contract is still not there, and this is the thing that I think people get quite confused about. If you're being so full of praise and the performances are great and the player says he wants to be here, etc., where is the debate about it? Um, one of the things that he did say, which was quite telling in the interview, was we need to wait and see if Ryan decides at the end of the season if he wants to be here for the next three or four years. Things that happen in this season may have an impact on that as well. Generally, if players win trophies, it makes them more likely to want to, to stay at a club. So I think it's maybe just not as simple as here's the contract, sign it, you're quite happy. I think both parties are probably quite keen to see how this recent run of form goes, both with the team and the player, and then they'll make some some informed decisions in the summer. I guess I'm talking mostly about Kent in that case, but it could probably be applicable for Morelos as well. And Tillman, of course. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of our players in that situation, you're right, you need to give them an incentive to stay. Why do, Why would you want to stay at Rangers? Now, Rankin has done a lot for Rangers over the time that he's been here. He has been a lot of places with Rangers. He's won a title. He's been to a Europa League final. He's won a Scottish Cup. I think personally for him there should there should feel like a sense of unfinished business at Rangers because I still see the level he can compete at. The Champions League again is included in that. But if you're Ryan Kent, you've been brought up down south and the Premier League is on our doorstep and the shining light that attracts all players to it like a moth to a flame. I personally couldn't hold it against him if he said, listen, I've done a lot for Rangers but I want to try and test myself at that level. Could I get it? I think for us as fans though, and certainly for me personally, I'm actually quite relaxed about where we are with the contract situation. And listen, it's a distraction. It can't not be. Um, even for a player, I know you can say all the all the kind of platitudes that you want and say, I'm only kind of concentrating on football, etc., etc., etc. But it, it must kind of linger on your mind. Can't not, you're only human. But we've not, it's not as though we've not been in this situation before. In the very recent past, Connor Goldson last year, of course, was in this situation and didn't sign on until the summer. So we have seen this before from Rangers where we can put ourselves in that position. It's not ideal. And then come out with the outcome that we want. And, and I think, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but people that I've spoke to universally, we seem to be on the, on the train of wanting Ryan Kent to stay at Rangers for all the reasons that you've mentioned there, Adam, and for all the reasons that Michael Beale has mentioned as well. And I think if Michael Beale can articulate that long-term vision to Ryan Kent, make him buy into that vision, that long-term future for him at Rangers, show him what he can win, show him what he can achieve, and then add that incentive, that little bit of spice on top of it this season with a couple of trophies as well, then I think we will be sitting in a pretty positive place. But Ryan Kent has to make that decision on a personal level because if he stays for another three, four years, then he's possibly at that point missed the ball of going into the Premier League, but think of what he could achieve at Rangers. So there's a trade-off for him personally. And it's all about what he would like his personal ambition and personal legacy to look like. Like I say, obviously as a Rangers fan, and I'm selfish, I want him to stay at Rangers. I don't want him anywhere near the Premier League because I want him playing for us. But there is that personal level for him and it's about where his ambitions lie at the end of the day. Not so much loyalty for me, but where his ambitions lie. I think he can still achieve a lot at Rangers. I think his ambition can be fulfilled at Rangers in terms of winning trophies and playing at the highest level. But it's about what he wants on an absolute personal basis and no one can make that decision but him. Absolutely. Um, Yanis Hadji was the the player at the press conference today, Cami. Um, He always speaks very well um, for someone who is is so young. He, He just gives the impression that he's just keen to get back on um, an even keel, I guess, and get himself back to fitness. He had to field a lot of questions about his his injuries. Um, reading between the lines from... So I asked Michael Beale a question about uh, Nico Raskin. Um, I, said he ha- I said he got his first goal at the weekend, a mentally first assist, which 
uh, wasn't ideal, but he, he took great pleasure in, in correcting me. Um, but when I asked that question, he, he spoke about how happy he was with Raskin and, and, and Cholak. And then he mentioned there were a couple of players that maybe doing, weren't doing what I wanted them to do uh, in that first half. Um, I think you can not not necessarily read between the lines, but I think he said basically it wasn't Cholak and, and Raskin that, that were the issue. Um, obviously, Hadji and Cantwell came off, so it's, it's kind of obvious that he might be talking about what they were doing. And he did reference that he felt like we were a little bit fussy in the final third there. Um, Hadji mentioned that he got 20 minutes a couple of weeks ago and then he got 45 minutes there and he's just keen to be coming back in. Um, for that type of player with that type of injury, um, do you think it's realistic that we're going to see the best of him this season or is that something that you think we're probably going to have to wait until this summer um, or beyond on before we really start to see him kind of fit and firing or do we think it's realistic that we should be seeing him make more of an impact towards the end of this season? I don't, I don't think it is realistic to be able to say that he should be able to come in and um, and build up towards the tail end of the season because it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see what the end of our season looks like if we want to finish in a high. Uh, to to your point, Ned, about um, where he had to to make adjustments. I, I don't think anyone on this show or listening to the show would have said, "Well, as long as Hadji gets game time, then it's all right for us to get the Scottish Cup if he's not, you know, playing well enough at home against Partick Thistle." So therefore, I think it was I think it was the right decision. It turned out to be the right decision as well because I thought in the first half we were abysmal in the second half. We started to actually play properly. I don't blame that for Todd Cartmel or Yanis Hadji, by the way. I just think that um, I don't believe Michael Beale certainly doesn't not believe in those players. I think it's probably just the style and what he was looking to get out of them. And as far as I'm concerned, Yanis Hadji gets a buy. I think Todd Cartmel gets a buy because he's still settling in, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that we can, with the nicest way of saying it, is that we can actually do without Yanis Hadji to make sure that we present ourselves well within within uh, both cups that we're still going for. And I think we need to be able to, to maintain a strong run so that Celtic know that they've got strong competition. And we've got a couple of league games against them that, that we will have that opportunity to prove it. So to answer your question, I think Yanis Hadji can take that time to settle back into it, but he has to have a strong summer. And then if, you know, on the assumption he's still here at the beginning of next season, he has to be able to contribute from the first day of the, uh, of the of the competition next season. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I think if we allow him the time, that's fair enough. But he has to be able to build up to it. He can't just treat it as, uh, you know, he's treading water until we, we get back to an even keel again and we get back to the, the beginning of next season. He has to be able to use whatever game time he gets between now and then and a strong summer. Um, finish off his, his recuperation from his injury, which was, as we all know, really, uh, you know, I, I, I was, it, was, it was horrendous, and really pushed towards being able to contribute towards the, the first 11 next season. It's not a squad player, it's a first 11 space he should be occupying. Absolutely. Ross, I'm going to ping this one to you as the resident B-team expert. Um, I know he's had a bit of a knock the last couple of games, but he, he has um, been on the, the pitch for our last two away league games, I think. Maybe not for very long in total, but he has been on the pitch for them. Uh, Alex Lowry, uh, Alan Kelly asks, if we do sign Tillman with Lawrence and Hadji, hopefully returning to full fitness for next season, do you think that shuts the door on Alex Lowry's Rangers career? I maybe wouldn't say it shuts the door on it, but it certainly makes it a lot more difficult. But <laughs> hey, if you're Alex Lowry, then I'm sorry, that is the way the cookie crumbles. Unfortunately, if you want to be part of this Rangers side, then you need to show quality when, when you're on the pitch. Um, I think we do have an opportunity between now and the end of the season to see possibly a wee bit more of Lowry and listen 
I hold my hands up and I don't apologize for it. I am biased. I'm always going to bang the drum of seeing more youth and B team players in, in the squad. Yeah. But I think actually having said that, we don't really consider Lowry a B team player now, do, do we? I know he can drop into the B team should he need to, but we do consider him a first team player. So when he gets those opportunities on the pitch, and they have been quite few and far between that, that knock hasn't helped, then he needs to show why he deserves to be there. If you look at a player of a comparable age is the one we've all been speaking about is Malik Tillman, who is just the absolute man for Rangers right now. Lowry needs to, when he's on the pitch, show why he can perform in that role as well. Show the, the kind of quality that we all know that he has. I don't think he's had much of an opportunity to do that, but the times that he, ha- he has been on the pitch, can anyone really make the case that he should be starting ahead of a Lawrence or a Hadji or a Tillman? No, you'd be struggling. So like I say, I do think we have the opportunity to allow Lowry almost to show the manager why he should be in the thinking for next season and why he should be in the Rangers squad for next season. I don't imagine either way that he would be, but if he can't demonstrate that between now and the end of the season, and if he's not showing it in training to the manager, then Lowry needs to have a serious think about what he wants to do for his own career. Because I would imagine we would like to keep him at Rangers because he is a very, very promising young player. And it's always good to have players come through the academy. And of course, he helps with European squad registration as well. That's always something we need to consider. But if he wants to get regular football, and if he doesn't think he can get it at Rangers, and he doesn't show that he can get it at Rangers, then he will need to have that kind of personal conversation with himself as well. In the same way that we spoke about with other players, only he probably can make that decision. But there is an opportunity, I feel, to try and demonstrate, like I say, why he should be in the squad. When that opportunity comes, he fundamentally has to take it, because it's getting a wee bit make or break for him now. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, and I guess it's no shame being behind players that we think are going to go on to be very good players in the team. He is still very, very young uh, and we wouldn't just throw him in now ahead of players that are potentially um, better than him right now. I think it needs to be a bit of patience on everybody's side as much as we do want to love to see young, creative Scottish players coming in and just grasp their chance in the way that Barry Ferguson did. There's a reason why that happens once every 25 years, I would suggest. Um, Cammy, interesting point here, which leads us on to the Livingston game. Uh, Rick Goldsborough, Next season, we need to score more goals, no matter who stays or who comes in. We've scored 20 less goals in 25 games. This is the difference between the old firm currently. Thoughts on why? There was a a comment from David Martindale, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, that, that both teams are kind of neck and neck now, or they have the same record since Michael Beale came in. And while that is true, um, 13 games played, 12 wins, one draw. Rangers have scored 28 goals and Celtic have scored 40 uh, in that. So... Um, Rick is correct. Under the, the previous manager, I think we were a little bit more defensive. We didn't score as many goals. We have increased that. I think it's fair to say we need to increase that again. And kind of what we spoke about earlier in the, the show, we're getting some more consistent quality up up front is probably the best way to do that. Yeah, I mean, it is. And, you know, it pains me to say it. And, you know, I don't want to focus on it too much. But Celtic have looked like the the you know they've got a lot of swagger about them um they can they can go one goal up and then i think the vast majority of people watching think that as soon as they get that it'll be two three four shortly thereafter um and and it brings me no joy to be able to say that because um i want to see us do even better than them we have got i think this season in particular we have had to be able to try and see the the, the adjustment domestically which hasn't started well from the beginning of the season, ultimately cost the manager his job and there was quite clearly a malaise had set in with some of these players. They're not going to win these games comfortably and in some cases drop points as a result of it. 
But the, the, the second half of this season and since the Beal era began, you're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel in terms of being able to see a consistent team that can play well and do that. But we still have a Rangers team that can go out and produce one of the finest away performances I think I've seen domestically in many a year at Tynecastle and then majorly struggle at home the following the following game. It doesn't it doesn't make sense in that space. So to answer Vic's question, we need to be able to get to a stage where we can see players playing with confidence, playing with style, playing with an imprint, which obviously Beal is now addressing and, and already has addressed because he hasn't lost yet as Rangers manager and touch would long may that continue. Instill that belief and that confidence. And then I do think that you will see goals chip in from other areas because one thing that Celtic have is goals from across the team and they can spread that out. It's what I mentioned earlier on about, you know, you've got offensive players, whether you're talking about attacking fullbacks, whether or not you're talking about, uh, you know, your centre mids, your, your um, not your wingers as such, but anyone coming in from the left and right side, contributing more. And we've already seen the change from that in Ryan Kent. Um, so you need to be able to continue that drive and continue that focus. It's not central on whoever the number nine may be. We haven't had that. And I think people are now starting to get onto the side of re-signing Alfredo Morelos because he has been able to come back and he has been able to score goals, but it's too late in the day, in my opinion. Um, once we get those things addressed, then I fully believe we will be able to get more goals throughout the team. And then we will make what should be an easy game easy. Whereas right now it feels like just for the sake of it, because we're good sports, we'll just make every game a competition, no matter who it is. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's been the big thing, I think, in these games, we should have been out of sight more often. You think about um, the St. Johnson game, certainly. Uh, Morelos had all those those chances a couple of weeks ago and a little bit more finesse and a bit more ice in the veins and we could be a few goals up and you're able to coast in a way that we haven't done really outside of that, that Hearts game and maybe the Motherwell game at home. I think that's... It also, it also lends in, sorry to interrupt Adam, but it also lends into Ross's point about Alex Lowry. Alex, Alex Lowry and other uh, potential youth prospects will not get game time if it's the case that we're making it a competition all the way through to the, the 90th minute. If we can put games to what bed very simply and very easily and even hopefully by halftime, that will allow us the opportunity to be able to get some of those players into the game and give them time and minutes on the park to, to show us what they can do. And, you know, I think if you were to, to rewind the tape and go back to what we've had to do with Leon King at the beginning of the season, throughout the first half of the season, he was thrown in completely out of his depth and played in games that he should never have been involved in. And I think it's counterproductive to his development. Now, that's slightly different because a big part of that's Europe, but he was also playing game on game on game. Um, and I think it definitely hurt him when he wasn't having the opportunity to play alongside Conor Goldson. Even a seasoned pro like Ben Davies is getting the benefit of that. Leon King didn't. So, again, if we get into a regular setup and we can get into a confident stride of winning games comfortably, then I think that there's peripheral uh, opportunities there as well. I think he said in that interview last night that Leon King, <coughs> who was only 18 at the time, has played the most Champions League minutes uh, out of anyone under 21 this season. So I think absolutely thrown in and maybe that's why we're not seeing him again now for a bit. He's just taking a little bit of time to almost... Average that season out if you like, or even that season out. So, um, I completely agree. If we get get games to bed earlier, these guys can come in um, and and get half an hour here and there, even forty five minutes at, at some points. But we're not quite able to do that right now. Um, Livingston and Saturday, Ross, the plastic pitch that we all want to talk about. Um, the manager gave an injury update 
Um, today, uh, a bit of a mixed bag, he said. John Lundstrom is touch and go from, from the issue that he came off with a couple of weeks ago, which is disappointing. Um, Goldson had a little bit of an issue last week. He didn't say whether he was going to be, whether Goldson was available or not, so we're going to assume that he is. Um, I seen a comment earlier on asking about Raskin being injured. It wasn't clear. He did say he was injured, but then later on he said it was just fatigue from from the game. So he hasn't trained for a few days, but I think that's probably going to be normal given how little he's played. I wouldn't expect that to be an impact on on him for the game. Uh, he mentioned Ryan Jacks got a little bit of a knock, which I'm not sure anybody would be uh, too surprised about. So there are a bit of debates here. Roof just came back. I don't imagine he'll want to risk him too much on, on a plastic pitch as well. Same with Hadji. Um, the pitch is what it is. It gives the home team the advantage, as Michael Bill said. They train on it every week. They've always got a good record on it because they are the home team. They're doing really well in the league anyway. Um, he did say that he wouldn't have one eye on the final, given that they've got a full eight days uh, until the final. But at the same time, I think just with those injuries, with the pitch, with the players that we've got, we're probably going to see a little bit of adjustment, I think, in the team. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that, to be honest. And listen, Michael Beale will say he doesn't have an eye on the final because he needs to say he doesn't have an eye on the final. We all have an eye on the final. And regretfully, the way that the league is, um, it almost, in a morbid way, affords us that chance because it's not a disaster in terms of where we are in the league or where we believe the league is heading if we were to drop points. I'm trying not to be catastrophist uh, on Saturday. So he can maybe afford not to take risks with players that he possibly would have been otherwise tempted to do so if the title race was a wee bit more neck and neck. John Lundstrom being one of them, Ryan Jag, another Hadji roof like you mentioned. I would like to see Raskin play because I think if we want to see Raskin start against Celtic a week on Sunday in the League Cup, and this is me with my on the final, then we want to get as many minutes as we can under his belt. Now, obviously, that is fairly limited given where we've been. Um, you could talk about putting games to bed. We would have probably seen Raskin sooner, actually, against Ross County a couple of weeks ago if we'd put that game to bed. So there's an immediate downside of not doing that. Yep. So if we're wanting to get Raskin back to as fit, he, as fit as he possibly can be and as sharp as he possibly can be, given the circumstances for, before the League Cup final, then I think he does need to start on Saturday for that. You'd expect Cantwell to start again for similar-ish reasons. Ryan Kent to come back into the fold, Morelos to come back into the fold as well and start. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. And I think you'll be able to tell a lot of how that team looks like in terms of the things that Michael Beale is trying to do ahead of that League Cup final. Give players that extra that extra push, that last chance to almost stake their claim to to start against Celtic. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Alan McGregor come back into I say come back into the fold to start again rather on Saturday. I think it'll be pretty clear that Alan McGregor will start um against Celtic a week on Sunday and just to try and give him that consistency of game time as well. Coming back into that. Again, Connor Goldson, I would imagine, will be back into the fold as of uh, Saturday as well. So there's a couple of things in there. It will be fairly highly rotated given the opposition that we played last uh, last Sunday compared to the Saturday. But there's players in there who you want to just see, give that wee bit extra push, get that game time under their belt and get that sharpness back into them before, dare I say, the main event in the week. Yeah, it is the main event in a week, but I think we need to play the game that's in front of us as well. Um, is there a bit of a point to prove in this game, Cammy? Because... Um, we obviously drew one each with them uh, in the last days of, of Van Bronckhorst and we were um, pretty poor the first game of the season where we had to come back from behind to win 2-1. But I'm thinking more David Martindale saying, um, I'm not sure if it was pre-game or post-game, but we knew how we know how Rangers are going to play. 
we know what they're going to do. Basically, we're quite predictable. Do you think Michael Beale will be looking at that and thinking, um, let's go out and, and put on a, hopefully try and put on a bit of a show, but let's go out and show kind of what we're made of. Give the players that incentive. If you play well in this game, you could be in the starting eleven for for the game after. Do you think that's that's going to put a little bit more importance on this game because of the two? Obviously, the the Old Firm Cup final is the one that's the higher priority, but I don't think it will be that case for the manager. Yeah, I'm mean, listen. I think yeah for the for the results thus far against Livingston, both home and away, exactly as you've said there, Adam. David Martindale's got no reason to 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 fear us and to be able to try and set up differently than he normally would. I I think. I think David Martindale believes that when he can get results against the old firm, it adds a lot of credit in the bank for him. And he's spoken beforehand about sometimes other circumstances potentially rule him out or bigger jobs outside of Livingston. And I, I would probably agree with some of that. But the best way to put himself on that radar is to take old firm scalps. And he's been unable to do it um, consistently. But when he's at home, I hate seeing it that pitch as a leveller because I just think it feels archaic. But, you know, we always talk about it whenever Livy comes around. Um, so I think he'll he'll feel motivated for it. I think Michael Beale has to put all of that noise in the back in the background. I think he has to be able to make sure that he doesn't pay any attention because again, it's really simplistic, but put the two teams in paper, it's not a competition. So therefore we should be able to get there. And when you talk about can't we, we talk about Raskin. I think the nice way to say it is that they've played in some industrious games thus far in their time in Scotland. So therefore there shouldn't be too much of a uh, of a difference for them. I think what Bale has to do is he has to go and be positive. I think he has to say to players that it's about being able to go forward, create as many opportunities as we can, alternate and switch as much as we can to be able to try and keep them guessing. I remember specifically Martin Dale coming out and saying that, you know, after the Arfield winner, uh, Almond Vale at the beginning of the season, um, he had said at halftime, Scott Arfield will make runs. You have to be able to pick them up. And ultimately that was Livy's undoing. Martindale's a good coach. He's a good tactician, whether they like it or not, right? Because of the fact that he, he's probably limited with what he can do at Livingston, but he knows what he's doing and he, he doesn't fear either us or Celtic. So therefore, we have to be able to go and take the game to them. And so sh- so we should, because let's face it, we're Rangers and we should be doing that at every opportunity. What I think Beal has to be able to do is, because he is looking at the cup final, let's be realistic, right? We're not, we're not daft and neither is Michael Beal. But I think what I would like us to be able to do is go out there make it as easy as we possibly can. So therefore, we probably do need a high-tempo start and probably middle to the game. And if we can get goals in the back of that, then we can start to decrease it, potentially go down a gear. But that sounds wishful, given what we've seen as the yin and yang performances of late. Yeah. So, listen, zero doubt he has to be able to go out there and, and, and be slightly aggressive and be able to try and take out there. There's a line, obviously. Um, I actually think Raskin could perform in games like this where he enjoys just getting in the mixer a wee bit. I think he enjoys putting himself about with that a wee bit. Obviously, he can't go gung-ho and start steaming into tackles. Yeah. But um, what I'd be saying to the players is you've got a showcase old firm League Cup final in a week. Show me you want to be involved in that game by playing well in this one and go out there and do what you need to do. I think that's that's the interesting point, isn't it, Ross? Like again, to go back to this interview, the manager said seven or eight players. We need to get into that position where seven or eight players are playing regularly. You could argue we've now got five of them in the back line. I think that is pretty much set, certainly for for this season. Um, uh, for the rest of this season with McGregor, Tavernier, Barisic, Golson, and Davies. Um, ahead of that, I think we would assume that when fit, Lundstrom and Lundstrom, Tillman, and Kent will play. So we have those sort of eight spots there. Um, what do you think about Raskin 
coming in and playing this game on on Saturday and going straight into the cup final. Do you think that is something that the manager would do? Um, and how do you think he would? How do you think he would cope with that? Bearing in mind we have only seen him in the last throws of of Ross County, um, and also the the game at the weekend against Partick Thistle. For me, that's a sort of signal of intent. If you are if you are this player that is coming in, um, and you're so highly rated, you're X number of millions in the open market. You're coming in to be the main man in the centre of midfield. What an opportunity to stake your claim if you can come in and make yourself undroppable to a game before a, a cup final. Do you think that's realistic or is he just maybe a little bit too far behind in terms of general fitness and getting up to speed with teammates, etc.? And I guess the same the same question for, for Todd Cantwell. I think Todd Cantwell's maybe a wee bit different. He's a wee bit further ahead in terms of getting him back to, to match sharpness. Um, we've seen him more in this Rangers side. He's had a longer period of time to acclimatise, if you like, to Scottish football in the way that we want to play under Michael Beale. Not by a lot, don't get me wrong, but every little counts. We're asking, on a personal level, from the player's point of view, listen, if that's not the kind of opportunity that you would potentially relish, then what are you doing, man? Of course, we would all love to be in that position. Every single player would, because you're right, That that's an absolute man of heaven. Why wouldn't you want to be in that position where you could come in and become almost like an instant hero in that sense if you come in and play well against Celtic and win as a League Cup of course you'd relish that is it realistic to expect it that's possibly a different conversation and I throw that about in my head quite a lot I think if, it's, if there's any chance of uh, Nicholas Raskin starting against Celtic a week on Sunday then he has to start on Saturday there's no conceivable scenario where he doesn't start away at Libby and then goes and starts at Hamden against Celtic it's just not going to happen if if we're in a position where he starts on Saturday, plays incredibly well, we can maybe get 60, dare I say, 70 minutes out of him, then possibly he can start having that level of conversation. For Michael Beale, yeah, it would possibly show a level of intent if he was to start Raskin um, a week on Sunday against Celtic. But like you've said, he's still trying to accustomise to Scottish football. He's still trying to build in, build himself into the way that Rangers play. So putting up against the, the hardest opposition that we can face domestically and one of the highest pressure situations that we can face domestically, it could be very much make or break and you don't want to put him in that position so early into his Rangers career where if it goes badly, then you possibly knock him down a peg or two, you dent his confidence and then that has a, a negative ongoing effect for the rest of the season or even worse, the rest of his Rangers career. So you need to manage that quite um, quite effectively. It's quite a, a delicate and nuanced situation we've got going on here. Against that, given the other injuries that we do have, we might be in a position where we do feel, you know what, yeah, if, if you feel fit enough and you feel in the right place, then, then go for it. And then this is the benefit possibly of having those long weeks and breaks between games. Now, obviously, you want people to get match sharpness as quickly as possible, but Beale is having a massive and extended period of time to try and see him on the training ground. Even if he's not trained this week, he's still in there around the squad, hopefully kind of adjusting to the way that his teammates play, adjusting to the messages that Michael Beale wants to give him. So you do have that opportunity to try and get him in and get him settled without the, the incessant pressure of playing Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, etc, etc. But if there's any chance, like I say, for him to start next week, he has to start on Saturday. If he doesn't, then it's out of the question completely. What do you think? Yeah, I think it is make or break for him, absolutely. But I think that's why these players are, are being signed. Um, we're signing these players and they're being discussed as the players that are going to take us forward over the next two, three or four years. Um, I don't personally think that we can then pick and choose and say, well, I might not play him in this game uh, in case it dents his confidence. And I know that was that was just like an, a, an example there, but to me, that shouldn't 
be a, a consideration if if you are this this particular level of player. Um, so I'm talking about Raskin, Cantwell, Tillman to an extent, although obviously he's been here um, quite a lot longer. But I think these players are coming in to take us to the next level. Um, and I think if they are fit and ready to do so, these are the players that we should be prioritising in terms of getting getting through these games. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Cammy? Obviously, there are there are circumstances around it in terms of fitness, etc. But ultimately, um, I don't think we should be picking and choosing. I think we should be integrating these players as quickly as possible. It is a cup final, it is make or break, as Ross said. But every game is make or break for us, really. Yeah, of course, as we can't we can't be lax in that. And you know, I can I can hear people already saying, well, you know, if you can't handle that pressure, then you shouldn't be at Rangers. And Ross touched on that, and I get that. I suppose there's an element of that where we've signed these players specifically to be able to come in and win trophies because that's what Rangers should be doing at every opportunity. So I've seen, we've all seen players who have narrowly lost cup finals. They've lost cup finals to goals that have been offside and in actual fact they've bounced back, you know, very quickly yep. um, in terms of being able to even to get results at Parkhead not long after, you know, the 2019 final. So, I think that you have to be able to try and sign players who are going to be able to come in and deal with that pressure and deal with that. I suppose really that have the resilience to be able to bounce back in that. I'm, I'm, I mean, we've obviously not seen these guys we played within a cup final yet, so I, I would very much believe that the, the, the opportunity is there for them to be able to come in and and, and grasp that by the by uh, by whatever opportunity they can. Cantwell, I think, has spoken before because of his more recent history in football. He'll, you know, if you if you rewind the tape, he would absolutely have loved to be able to play in cup finals. Hasn't been playing football whatsoever, much less been able to have that opportunity. So I don't. He does not approach me as some guy who is here to be able to just tick a box for easy games. He's here to be able to try and properly get into the trench. He's asking, I think, as we mentioned already, absolutely like that. And I think even for guys like Tillman, being able to then talk about having that platform, that stage that he can be able to try and perform on, I think that he'll eat some of that stuff up. Um, Tillman in particular, I think, follows in a number of players who, when they were given a Champions League opportunity, we, we didn't perform well. So we're already, kinda, I think it's fair to say at a point where, you know, big games are going to be still coming, hopefully. We have one in, you know, you know, less than a fortnight. So therefore, go and, and make up for what you've done already. And if it's your first time, go and show us what you can do, because we want this to be the first of many for a lot of them. 100%, no, I completely agree. Okay, that will do us for this evening. Um, Ross, thank you very much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Not a pleasure, mate. Thank you. And Cammy, thank you. Yes, thank you, boys. We're all heading to Livingston on Saturday. I'm sure we'll see some of you there. Um, fingers crossed we get another, another result, um, as we have been doing. David will be back next week to review that game and obviously start the build up to the cup final um, in the meantime if you aren't signed up on patreon please do so you can go to the link that's running down the bottom of the screen there heartandhand.co.uk forward slash patreon sign up now and listen to up to five podcasts per day from just 199 per month thank you for listening and watching we'll be back next week Podcast Network.